We're living in a world where Satan is the god of this world and he is controlling so many affairs of of the world. And we've been preaching about that in our day in the book of Jude about how the perilous times that we live in, and yet we've taken several weeks to try to pause and stop and concentrate on some of the characteristics and character of our God because we can't lose sight of the Lord in the midst of perilous times. And usually when we get off track as individuals or things overcome us, It is because we are not having a good enough view of God because no matter how perilous things may get, God is the same and He's always there. And He is a very present help. So we need to be concentrating on many of His characteristics to get through this crazy life that we live. And this morning I want you to go with me to the book of Genesis again, if you will. We have been parking there for several Sunday mornings, and we have seen the God of good and the God of forgiveness. And as you're turning to Genesis chapter 6, and I think you know the, the terrible story that's in Genesis 6, but in the midst of a terrible situation and destruction and grief, There is also a bright story. There is a good story to be told. And I want to title this message this morning, and there may be people in here that desperately need to hear it, and maybe somebody streaming it, but, and it has been overused sometimes, this this phrase that I want to use to give you the message this morning that God is the God of a second chance. And when you say that, we're not trying to cheapen sin or its effects or the future circumstances that occur. I'm going to give you, God willing, about ten different examples of a second chance, not just found in Genesis 6. But in each of these examples, there was, there was no going back, as you recall when we were preaching on the God of forgiveness. And that really was a second chance to the human family. God could have destroyed them in the garden. And he gave them a second chance, but they, had, they couldn't go back. They couldn't redo things. And so I want you to know as we proceed through this message, though, that God is a God of a second chance for you and For everyone, that doesn't erase the past. It doesn't mean that you don't have to live with certain circumstances. But the God of a second chance means that I should get some help from this truth and be able to move on from my guilt, to move on from the judgment that's happened in my life, to move on from failure. Guys, if we don't have a God that is a God of second chances, there are so many people that have no hope. There are so many young people that have lost their innocence to sin that need to know about the God of a second chance. There are so many people that have totally ruined their lives 
that they still need to understand that God can help them where they are and give them a second chance. That doesn't erase all the pain and all the circumstances. But we need to know this about our God. And maybe you'll need it if you don't need it this morning. I'll start the reading in Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 5. And by the way, the second chance means you're always going forward. You're not going backward. You're, it's what God's got in front of you, not what God's got behind you. In Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says in verse number 5, as we begin to read, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. The the verses that we have just read here, these three verses, give me four things about this story. God gives up on man. He really does. The Bible says he sees in verse number 5 that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that, watch this, every, I hope you can get your, your mind around this, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continued. Get your head around that word every and only. That means every thought of every individual was centered not just the absence of God. You know, there's a verse in the Bible in the book of Psalms. He says in Psalm chapter 10, verse 4, that the wicked, about the wicked that have such abominable hearts and thoughts, it says that here's the thing that's true about the wicked, the heathen. It says God is not in all their thoughts. They, they will not seek the Lord. One of the most wicked things in the world is, is for an individual never to think about God. That, that, that is a, a characteristic or even a definition of wicked people. They, they never seek God. They, they don't even think about God. And so how would you like to be God who made man and yet that man never thinks about you? Not, 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 in, not even in their thoughts. Not one time. How would you like it if you had a child that never thought about you? How would you like it if you had someone that you loved dearly, your husband or your wife or some relative, your mother, your father, somebody, and they never thought about you? Ever. Not not one thought went through. Wouldn't that, that would be hurtful. And God and His love for man and His creation of man and His blessing upon man, even His forgiveness of man. And here you find, not too far after the garden, man is not even thinking about God, but but it's way beyond that. God is not in their thoughts, but every thought is only evil. And God gives up on them. He literally gives up on them. The Bible says in verse number 7, the Lord said, I will destroy man. That's everybody. He is going to destroy the human race. I would say when you're going to destroy everything that breathes, including the animals that breathe, you pretty much had it. Every, 
Everything that breathes is going to die. God gives up on them. And then it's even worse than that. Look what the Bible says in verse 6. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. Look at the end of verse 7. For it repenteth me that I have made man. God not only gave up on them, he wished they never were. Now, I want you to think about that a minute. I know many times in anger and many times in haste, people have made some very cruel comments. Like, I wish you had never been born. Or, I wish you were not my child. Or, I wish you were not my spouse. I wished I had never married you. There's been a lot of hateful things that people say. And I would just caution you. Most of the time, most of the time, they're not meant. Most of the time, those words, they don't really mean those words, but they're saying them in anger. They're saying them in haste. They're saying them in the moment. But you know, God is not like us. When God says something, He doesn't say it in anger out of not being in control. When God says something, He doesn't say it in haste that He doesn't think about it before He says it. And when God says something, He means it. How many of you would agree that God never said anything He didn't mean? Come here with me just a second. You think about this. God said, I wish I'd never made them. I wish man had never existed. He meant it, or he wouldn't have said it. He was so hurt, he was so grieved at his heart, that he even made man. I wished I'd have never scooped up the clay and made Adam. I wished I'd have never taken the rib from his side and made Eve. It repenteth me. I wished I'd never made them. That's pretty serious. And then he goes a step further. Not only does he give up on man, and not only does he wish that they never even existed, but then he declares, he makes a declaration of judgment. He says in verse number 7, And the Lord said, I will destroy man. He's going to destroy him. Totally. Now, if there's anything I know about God... When he makes a declarative statement, you you can go to the bank on it. He he doesn't give empty threats, you know. It's not like a a parent with a child. Now, don't do that again or or mommy's going to spank you. No, he doesn't give empty threats. I will destroy man. That's not a few of them. In this verse, it's all of them. Every man. And then I'll give you one more thing as we get into the message. His destruction is going to be complete. His judgment is going to be final. His judgment is going to be... In other words, there's nobody going to be left. There, there will be no pieces to pick up. Think about it this morning. 
You ever thought God may give up on you? Have you ever thought maybe God wished you never were? You say, God would never do that. This, this is the text that shows you that's true. He can't have those thoughts. He did have those thoughts. And it wasn't just for, for one individual. It was for all of the human race. You say, preacher, how, how could he give up on people? God would never give up on people. Uh, read Romans chapter 1 again. God gave them up. Read, read that. Oh, preacher, surely God could never wish that anybody never was. Mm. How about what Jesus said it would be good for that man if he had never been born? Are you sure about that? What about God's declaration of judgment? Oh, he has told us whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. He's told us the wages of sin is death, and we're all included in that declaration, are we not? And some people have experienced the judgment of God or things that have nothing is even left, it seems, of their life. But, but this is what I want to tell you. When God gives up on you, you have to have a God of a second chance. When God wishes that you never were, you have to have a God of a second chance. When God declares... Complete judgment upon you. And then goes about to work it in your life. You've got to have a God of a second chance. And I want you, after those verses, those three terrible, powerful verses about where God's heart was with man, we see in verse number 8, but that little word shows that God is the God of a second chance. But Noah found, what's the word? Grace in the eyes of the Lord. He said, wait, wait, wait now, preacher. Noah wasn't like everybody else. The Bible said in verse number 9 that he was a just man and he was perfect in his generation and he walked with God. And, and chapter 7, verse 1 said that God looked and saw that he was righteous. Yes, but you have to understand, it didn't say that Noah deserved this second chance. It said that Noah found grace. I submit to you, Noah didn't deserve a second chance any, any more than any of the rest of them. You say, why is that? He looks like a good man. Well, let me read you a verse, and I don't ever want you to forget it. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, in chapter, um, chapter 7 and verse 20, listen to it. There is not a just man. That's Noah. There is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. You see that? However wonderful a man Noah was, he was still a sinner and he still deserved the judgment of God. And every imagination of his heart was not always God. God saw some things in his brain too. And Noah had to have a second chance. And mankind had to have a second chance. Because this is what I know about God. God knew Noah so well that he not only knew he was a sinner, but he knew he was going to keep being a sinner. How long did it take him to get off the ark before he got drunk? You think that shocked God? You think that surprised God? You think he didn't know about uh, Noah's tendencies of heart? 
Just because we read of the great characteristics in Noah's life that were not like a, does not mean that it did not take the God of a second chance to show him grace. Noah did not earn this. He did not earn being spared. And none of us do. It, guys, every one of them, and this is what mankind really don't understand. None of us, of us have earned or deserved to escape the judgment of God. We don't, we have, none of us have earned, none of us deserve to escape hell. We're sinners. That's where sinners go. It has to be a God of a second chance. It has to be a God that says, okay, though you are a sinner, but I have some grace that I want to extend to you. I even think that's true about the homosexual. God gave up upon them. But, you know, you read the New Testament where the Bible says, and I know it says God gave them up. But I also read that thing about such were some of you. I'm I'm not going to say that God doesn't have enough power in the blood of Jesus to cleanse from all sin because I read that too many places in the Bible. But but, but that has to be a God of a second chance. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, even when God gives up on you, He'll give you a second chance. (laughs) Even when God wishes you never were, He'll give you a second chance. Even when God has declared you to be totally and completely judged, He's still the God of a second chance. And you need that kind of God. And I need that kind of God. Go to the book of Acts. I'll show you. Maybe I think God wished this guy never was. Acts chapter 7. I'm not sure about it, but I don't know. That's what it looks like. Here's somebody that got a second chance. Acts chapter 7, the Bible says in verse number 22, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. And when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed, boy, that's a big word in the Bible. Well, I just supposed, yeah. But he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them. Question, was it God's plan and intention and purpose to use Moses to deliver the children of Israel? Was it? Of course it was. That's why he did the miracle of getting him in the palace. That's why he did the miracle of saving his life in the ark of the bulrushes. That's why he taught him all the things of the learning of the Egyptians. He was the man. God was preparing his whole life. And at 40 years old, he, he's, he's not just a novice. He's 40, full 40 years old. And he knows this. And he goes out and he kills this Egyptian though. And the Bible said, verse 26, the next day, 
He showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them again and said, Sir, saying, Sirs, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou killest the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at this saying and was a stranger in the land of Median, where he begat two sons. And when forty years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. You know what I think? I think God looked down at Moses and he is so perturbed at Moses that he wished he had never sent him to the palace because he messed everything up. He said, why do you think that? Because he goes to Midian and for 40 years God doesn't talk to him. Guys, I don't know how to get by without God talking to me every week. Can you imagine if God didn't talk to you for 40 years? And you have blown everything that He planned out. Because of your pride and because of your lack of patience and because of your bloodthirstiness in your heart. And Moses just ruins the whole plan of God, it seems. And God lets him run off to the desert and doesn't speak to him for 40 years. But one day at 80 years old, guys, if you're 80 years old, (laughs) you're pretty much through. Moses is walking by, and God speaks to him. Hey, Moses, you want a second chance? God, there's no way. I'm 80 years old. My life is over. I I could never even dream of that. Don't you see the conversation of Moses with God? God, I can't do that. There's just no way I can do that. And he goes from 40 years earlier thinking that he was the guy and now he's sure he's not the guy because his life is all in pieces. Are you listening to me? And nobody knows and nobody cares and he's not seen his mom and dad and he's not seen anybody of his relatives and his life is over and he's just an isolated hermit somewhere on the backside of the desert forgetting about all the pieces of his life and God calls out to Moses hey Moses you want a second chance you're in the book of Acts let me show you a young man we go from an old man how about to a young man look at Acts Chapter 15 with me. Acts chapter 15, the Bible says in verse number 37. Acts 15, 37, and Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one Uh, from the other, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas. Paul, I think, said, I wished we had never taken Mark with us. He left the work. He doesn't have what it takes. He's already proven himself to be a washout and a failure. And Barnabas, I know he is your nephew, but just because he's your family, God can't use this boy. 
and the closeness of the first most powerful missionary team in the history of the church, Paul and Barnabas, was broken up because Paul said, I wish we hadn't have taken him and he ain't going again. And Barnabas says, I want to give him a second chance. I know he failed. I know he left. I know he disappointed us. I know he hurt our hearts. I know, I know he disappointed God. I know he broke God's heart. I know he didn't fulfill his plans. I know he, he left, but, but let's give him a second chance. No, I'm, we're not going to give him a second chance. Barnabas gave him a second chance. You know what the Bible tells us? When Paul is, is ending his life, the very last chapter of Paul's life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, He says, bring Mark. I'm dying, but I want to see Mark. Because he's profitable to be for the ministry. And one of the greatest books in the Bible that's made such a great impact in my personal life is the Gospel of Mark that was written by the man that needed somebody to give him a second chance. And the gospel of Mark is about how to be a servant. It shows Jesus Christ as a servant. And God gave Mark a second chance. And though he failed and though he seemingly his ministry was over, God gave him a second chance and he became a writer of the gospel and profitable to the Lord. Is that not also what happened with Peter? You do know Peter lost his discipleship. You do know that, don't you? He didn't lose his salvation. People don't lose his, but he lost his discipleship. You say, how do you know that? Well, the Bible tells us in Mark 16, verse 7, the Lord says, go tell the disciples and Peter. <laughs> because he, he denied the Lord three times. Why do you think the Lord had to ask him three times, do you love me? He's got to convert Peter. Not convert him to salvation, but convert him back to discipleship. Don't you remember that's what Jesus said to Peter? When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. You know what, Peter? You've messed up. You've denied me three times and I looked at you and I'm just thinking, man, have I made a bad choice with you. But the Lord sits down with fish with him and eats. Peter, you want a second chance? How about, how about the prophet Jonah? God got so fed up with him, amen, that he's about to kill a whole ship full of men. And then has a, he makes a whale. I tell you what, when God has to create a whale just to swallow you, yeah, they, they, guys, please, please, please understand. People say, oh, are there whales that big to swallow people? Maybe, maybe not. It really doesn't matter. The Bible says God prepared. In other words, this was special ordered. When God has to special order something to kill you, 
He said, did it kill him? I believe it killed him, but that's another message. We all went through that. When we went through the book of Jonah, you'll have to get those messages listed. And yet Jonah prayed out of the belly of, of hell is what he said. God gave him a second chance. God spake to the fish, and the fish vomited him out. And listen, listen, some, one of the greatest verses in the Bible for people that need a second chance. The Bible said in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. I, I don't think I'd trust a guy to preach that failed so miserably like Jonah. And really, it looks like you get through the rest of the chapter, he wasn't really all patched up too great. God says, I'll give you another chance. Thank you, Lord, for being that kind of a God. When God declares that you're finished, in that same book of Jonah, as you remember, God told, tells Jonah to go preach the preaching that he bids them, bids him. And he goes in and the declaration of God Almighty, whose word never changes, says in 40 days, you'll be overthrown. In 40 days, you're finished. The preaching of Jonah was not a message of grace. It was not a message of mercy. It was not a message of forgiveness. It was not a message of hope. It was a message of judgment. You're dead. Every one of you are dead. That was God's declaration. Just like in Genesis chapter 6. I'm going to destroy man off the face of the earth. It's over. You know the story, the Ninevites from the king all the way down to the pets to the animals, they all fast and pray and repent and put on sackcloth and beseech God. They said, who, you know, who, who, who can tell? Who can tell? Maybe God will give us another chance. Yeah, but he's already said this. what he's going to do. Yeah, but yeah, just, just maybe. And it repented the Lord. God repented. Just like in Genesis 6. He said, all right, all right, I won't destroy you. I won't destroy you. I'll give you another chance. You know, the declaration of Moses' law and also Noah's law with God, God's law to Noah, was that if you, if, if you take somebody's life, you must be put to death. That, that's, that's Bible. The law of Moses says if you, you, you sleep with another man's wife, you, you, you're to be put to death. I know a guy that did both of those. God's declaration is you're a dead man, right? Just like God's declaration to the Nineveh. Just like God's de- and, and And listen, God's not playing games. God didn't say that with the intention of backing up. No, 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 no. But right before he executes that judgment, there's just something in the character of God that says, I'll give you another chance. David said, I've sinned. And I think David knew. He knew that he should be put to death. He knew the Bible. That's why Nathan had to turn around and say, God has put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Because only the God of a second chance would not have put David to death. 
David still had to live with the repercussions of that. He still had pain and suffering of his life. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. The God of the second chance does not mean it all goes away. But thank God that He allows us another opportunity. Would you go to 2 Chronicles chapter 33? This might be the greatest one. I really can't get my head around this one, which shows me that I really do not know the extent of the grace and the mercy of God. I don't understand what I'm about to read to you. The most wicked man, the most wicked king in the history of the nation of Israel. Bar none. Worse than Ahab. Worse than any that you... Jeroboam. Worse than all that you can list. The worst. The very worst. Matter of fact, God said He could never forget what this guy did. When the greatest king ascended to the throne after this guy, his grandson, Josiah by name, the greatest king that was ever in the history, no other king before him or after sought the Lord like Josiah. Nobody. And all the revival that took place in Josiah's day. And God said, that's great. You've got the best heart of any king I've ever seen. But I can't forget what your granddaddy did. Pretty serious. You said, preacher, there are things in my life, I I know there's just no way God God can can go on from what I've done. Second Chronicles chapter three, would you look at it in verse number one? The Bible says Manasseh was twelve years old when he began to reign. He reigned fifty and five years in Jerusalem. But he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. What did he do? He erected all these idolatrous altars to all these gods. But but, but he did worse than that. Would you look at verse 6? And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. He sacrificed his own babies by fire, he burned them alive as sacrifices to false gods. All, he also he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with a familiar spirit and with wizards. He was so full of the devil. He was a satanic king. He was as full of the devil as anybody's ever been full of the devil. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a a carved image, the idol which he had made in the house of God. He went to the very most holy place on the face of the earth and he put a wicked, filthy, idolatrous idol in the most holy of places. The Bible says in verse number 9, So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err. Watch it, watch it. And to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. This guy caused the whole nation to do worse than all the heathen people that God had destroyed up to this point. This guy, you can't get worse than this guy. 
Verse 10, and the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. God kept talking to him in the middle of all this, and he's not going to listen. He is the son of the great King Hezekiah who loved the Lord. And God's trying to reach him, but he won't listen. How many people have turned God off so many times and done things they never thought they'd ever do? Verse number 11, Wherefore the Lord brought upon him the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him. And he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. He's sitting in bonds and chains in the king of Assyria's land. He's burned his own children alive. He's been worse than even heathen people could do. And as he sits there, he begins to cry out to God and say, God, I'm wrong. God, I'm sorry. My life is over. My life is ruined. They probably come in any minute and cut my head off. Oh, God, I'm sorry. And God said, okay. And, and Manasseh, you know, I, I, I would have... I would have maybe understood God forgiving him. But to give him a second chance to be king again? God just didn't forgive him. He brought him all the way back to Jerusalem, put him back on his throne and says, let's try this again. That's the kind of God you need. said, Preacher, well, God's just completely judged. There's nothing left but ashes. Yeah, but the Lord says he can give beauty for ashes. (laughs) He can take our ashes and bring something beautiful out of it. Look at Job's life. Maybe, Maybe your second chance you need is not even because of your sin. Maybe it's just because... Of the hand life has dealt you. And your career's gone, and your wealth is gone, and your family's gone, and your health is gone. And then God comes to Job and says, Let's do this one more time. Let's do this one more time. You could not see that, Job. You could not imagine it. You could never even dream it would occur. But, God, but, but, but Job, let me tell you something. I'm a God of another chance and I'm going to set your table once again and give you another life. 
You know, when you think about the children of Israel one more time as I try to close this message. You know, God brought such complete and total judgment on the nation of Israel that he even burned his own house. God allowed the heathen to burn his own house down. Jerusalem was totally demolished, totally destroyed. Not only were the people taken captive into Babylon or the other part of the tribes taken into Assyria, but God levels it to the ground and lets the heathen king even take away all the gold vessels, all the all the things that were used to worship God that he told them to make. He had all of that stolen and taken away. I mean, it was like Jerusalem was just flattened like a parking lot. And then God said to Ezra and Nehemiah, why don't we try this again? And God touched King Cyrus and says, I want to give him another chance. Well, it's all burned down. I mean, it's all over. The temple's temples destroyed. All the things of, of, even all the vessels, it's all gone. And God, God says this, you know, everything can be, can be leveled down to total destruction, but that doesn't mean that I can't bring something up from the ashes and give people a second chance. You know what Nehemiah and Ezra were? They were the second chance for God's people. And you know what happened? They came back and they rebuilt the temple. Maybe it wasn't as fascinating as the first one, but man, I bet they appreciated it. And they, the wall was rebuilt. Why? Because God gave them a second chance. But you know what the sad truth is? They needed more than a second chance. Because from Ezra and Nehemiah's day, you come all the way to the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're still there in the land and they still have their temple. But God sends His only begotten Son to the world and He sends them to the nation of Israel to be their Messiah and to be their King. And they said, you know, we we don't want you. Your blood be on us and our children. We have no king but Caesar. And there was a story where Jesus passed a fig tree and he, He talked about the fig tree being likened unto Israel and He And he says, you know, this tree is bearing no fruit for three years. That's a picture of how for three years Jesus Christ preached to the people and they didn't respond to them. They didn't give him their hearts. And the Lord says, I'm going to give you another chance. And so for six more months he kept preaching. He said, let's dung this tree. Let's give give them every chance we can. And you know what? They didn't take it. They said, crucify it. You know what happened? The Romans destroyed that temple again just like it was destroyed in the day of Babylon. And again the children of Israel suffered and were killed and were slaughtered and destroyed. And it not only went through the days of the Romans but even into the Middle Ages and the Crusades the children of Israel were just hip and thigh slaughtered. And it even comes into the modern era with 
with the Nazi regime as they put them into ovens and burn them alive. You know what all that was for? Because they said no to the Son of God and they rejected God and they suffered total, complete destruction because of it. But God is not just a God of a second chance. He says, you know, I'm still not through with Israel and I'm going to give you another chance. And I read the book of the Revelation and we're going to have every tribe. He said, preacher, how is he going to get all those tribes back together? He never forgot where they were. He's going to bring those tribes back. Jesus Christ is going to come back to this world. Israel's going, you know why? Because God, even after they failed and they failed and they failed, they rejected his son. God wiped it out to, the, to a parking lot. God says, I'm going to give you another chance. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what you need. But don't ever count God out. And I got two things to say as I finish this message. There's one second chance that you'll never get. You'll never get a second chance after you die. The second chance is only in your life. If you die without Jesus Christ, if you say no to the gospel, you can say no to the gospel, but you'll not get another chance to say yes after you die. And the last thing I want to tell you this morning, if God extends you a second chance, you've got to take it. Moses took it. Nehemiah and Ezra took it. David took it. Peter took it. John Mark took it. Do you see the pattern? God extends a second chance, but you've got to take it.